0: You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. There's a tiny cat behind me. I see a small ch- small kitten back there. On a shelf.
1: Um, cat on a shelf. What, yes. If you want to know what I'm talking about, this is a shameless plug for our YouTube channel. If Whoa. you want to watch us, you can see Chelsea's Christmas decorations. And my cat, who hopefully... He, he's been in a bad mood the past couple of days. Um... He's running around a lot, so hopefully he stays quiet. If not, I (laughs) (laughs) apologize if you hear, like, scrambling and screaming in the background. He's
0: like, Mom, hello!
1: Yeah, what about me?
0: Pay attention to me! Yeah. Yeah, my dog's been barking a lot today at the door. I just love it, you know, that he stands at the door and he barks at it as if he's had any results from that in the past. Like, he has no ROI for barking at the door, and yet he continues. And I'm just like, you're an idiot. You're wasting valuable. Energy. I know, but the one time he doesn't
1: is when something bad'll happen. You know that if if someone ever like broke into your house, I don't think Neptune would do anything.
0: <laughs> I feel he'd like he'd be, be, be
1: afraid. Yeah, or he'd be like, "Oh, you have a sausage. I
0: guess I'll just take like you're my new best friend now." I know, I know. He <laughs> would bark a lot. I think if he didn't know who they were, which yeah. is one thing, but like at the same time, like how many neighbors do you know? That would come to a bark towards a barking dog if they heard them. Like if I was getting killed or something, they wouldn't. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: Well, anyways, hopefully that won't anyway, happen. Anyway, happy Christmas. <laughs> yes, um, everyone, welcome to our final episode before the new year. Whoa! So we'll take off. You won't hear from us again until next year, which is only like
0: a week away. No, ish. Two. Two weeks, weeks away from when you're hearing this. Yes. So. We'll see in 2022 again. Maybe
1: if we survive, if we make it. We shouldn't even joke about that now, no, actually. No, shouldn't. Oh, Forget I said that. Forget um, it. Scratch it. Cut. This is Two Girls, One Crossword.
0: I'm Grace mm-hmm. Topinka. And I'm Chelsea Rowan. And um, we're back again. We're always back. On Can't your favorite weekly pod word crosscast. <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah um anyway we're here i guess we are here should we just (laughs) i I don't know should we just jump right into our i feel like people expect a good segue from us and we never provide i mean
1: okay i'm sorry if you listen to us and you expect a good segue then you (laughs) must be often disappointed in life because
0: you have unrealistic (laughs) expectations um speaking of unrealistic expectations shall we do the poll yes so All right.
1: <clears throat> this was a six answer poll because we Which asked crazy on Twitter at the Good eve Girls, what's your favorite type of creation story? Mm. See the comments for the fifth and sixth choices because fifth there lot. were six choices or six different categories. This was based okay. off Chelsea's topic last week. So potential answers were from nothing, from chaos. Oh my god. From a world parent. Okay. From emergence. From Cosmic Egg okay. and from Earth Diver. Okay. And yes, I did really enjoy picking out the emojis for each of these. <laughs> that, <laughs> picking out the
0: emojis for our poll answers is really a small joy that I have in life. <laughs> that um, that should make our listeners curious enough to follow us on Twitter so that they can participate in the polls, which Grace actually puts in a lot of effort. As you can see, she pours her heart and soul into this. Mm-hmm. It's very creative. Um. And we're constantly surprised by the results. So give us the results.
1: Well, since this was... If, if you know Twitter, you can only have four answers at a time. So we had to do six. So I had to do a little bit of math to, you know, combine all of them. Okay, Miss Mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> so the first... The tie for first place with 25% each was from nothing and from a cosmic
0: egg. Okay. I have to say... I did not speak about Cosmic Egg last week, Mm -hmm. but that was one that does exist. If you're interested in learning about Cosmic Egg creation stories, you can Google it. Don't listen to my episode.
1: I see that you didn't have that one, but then I saw it on,
0: like, the list. And
1: so I was like, well, I can't make four and then a fifth one at the end. I have to have six, so. I figured. But people – who knew people liked it? I people were upset that you didn't talk about it. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Or people just – I have no idea what it means, but just thought it was cool. I've been getting
0: hate mail for days.
1: (laughs) Um, Tied for second place with 17% each is from World Parent and from Earth Diver. Mm. And then last place with 8% each, another tie, um, was from Chaos and from Emergence. Ooh. What would you pick? I picked Earth Diver. I think I mentioned this um, last week, too. I just... I feel I'm comforted at the idea of, like, being on the back of a turtle.
0: That is extremely comforting. Mm -hmm. I picked from World Parent because I really like the Norse creation story. Um, Yeah. Although it is kind of terrifying to think of, like, entities or, like, godlike beings just ripping apart the first being and then using their body for the world. So if you believe in the Norse creation myth, we are currently living... On the body of a massive frost giant, Ymir. So do with that what you will.
1: Um, I liked that one too. That was probably my second. I was deciding between
0: those. My second was Earth Diver as well. Anyway, we're like twins. Maybe, maybe we can combine the two. (gasps) Love that. Love that. Start
1: our own religion. I don't know. Yeah, we'll start our own system.
0: Yeah, works for me. Um, so. Now Hits and Shits, I think. The last Hits and Shits of the year. Oh, yes. The yearly roundup. The yearly roundup. Uh, don't actually, we don't actually have a yearly roundup. I think in the past we have done something. I think we usually do in the beginning of the year, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? This year we has been bonkers. A, year, a
1: retrospective.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're expecting some sort of year, end of year roundup, Again, the disappointment. I'm very sorry. Not going to happen. You have to wait until 2022 to get any thoughts from the previous year whatsoever. But we will be doing our regularly scheduled program. Just regular down home on the farm hits and shits. Yes, we will. Do you want me to start us off? Sure. I'm just going to take a sip of my massive Taco Bell Pepsi, which you'll be able to see if you're on YouTube. Uh, another shameless plug for
1: our YouTube. Wow, there's just so many things for people to tune in to watch. <laughs> a cat on a shelf sleeping now. He's sleeping now. <laughs> for people wondering, um, and uh, Taco Bell Pepsi. I love okay. it. <clears throat> the USA Today puzzle from December 13th by Brandon and Brooke, mm-hmm. edited by Eric Agard. It just said Brandon and Brooke, no mm-hmm. last names. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's their like stage name. Tell um, us. I liked 65 Across, Fourth Planet Mentioned, in Interplanet Janet, because it sounded familiar to me, but then I didn't know what it was, and I looked it up, and it's by the same people who do Schoolhouse Rock, or Jailhouse, oh, no, Schoolhouse Rock. Okay. So the answer is Mars. Nice. And then, this is for us, 26 Down, Split Screen Social Media Video.
0: Yes, TikTok Duet. Yes. I loved seeing that. Um, I did, as well. Uh, that was it for that one. Okay, well, um, my only shit for the week comes from that puzzle. <gasps> and I can't really get into it. <sighs> I can get into it, but oh my god. Okay, let me just preface this by, yes, I know that I'm late to the Zelda game. but oh, right, 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 right. I do feel like the clue for the Zelda answer in the USA Today puzzle from December, what was it, 13th, was so shocking and such a spoiler, I-, I gasped. I literally gasped aloud because I was so shocked to be spoiled. And I, I know I'm 23 years late. Yeah, I feel like and there's you've passed the point. But I guess at the same time, I'm like, is there literally no other way to clue Zelda than that spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And so, of course, I had to message everybody that has been following my, you know, my progress Mm
1: -hmm. on the
0: zelda journey i was gonna tell my therapist also who loves zelda but our appointment was canceled this week so i have to tell her next time i'm sure she'll be shocked. an, um,
1: an emergency phone call this is
0: an emergency zelda was spoiled for me i mean it is what i know i know i know it's been 23 years but still i was shocked and i was spoiled and a little upset and i hate you all basically
1: well, you heard it here first. Well, I feel like, <laughs> like there's a Harry Potter spoiler. Or did we spoil it? No, I feel like there was one in the crossword. Like when yeah, we first maybe. started, because I remember talking about it and being
0: like, is this too soon? Is this allowed to be in? Right. No, I know. And I, 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 I am of the belief that if it's 10 years past, like it doesn't count as a spoiler. Um, Except when it comes to you. Personally. Except when it comes to me personally yeah. and then it doesn't, the rules always just bend for me. So of sorry. Course. Um, what else? I actually did like that puzzle overall though, even though at the end of it, I was like shaking. I was so upset. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's no, I was fine. I'm being dramatic. Um, I liked 42 across warning taped to a pillow fort. And the answer was go away. I loved mm-hmm. that. And then I also like seven down. This is like simple. This answer shows up all the time. Uh, The clue was softball refs, and the answer was umps, U-M-P-S. But it's always, like, clued in relation to baseball. So it's really nice to see softball. Um, And I don't think – for people who don't solve crosswords regularly, and I know some of our listeners aren't regular solvers, like, that might not seem like a big deal to see, like, some sort of, like, you know, woman or feminine representation of a clue or an answer. But it it really is a big deal because most of the time – you're being fed like, you know, cis male type clues. The default is male. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice to just take something that is, shouldn't be gendered and just give it to the other gender. Anyway, it's interesting and I like it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I got from that puzzle. So
1: the other gender, a other gender,
0: you mean a other. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you, Grace. i know a different know one. One of the many other.
1: Uh, oh, I finally did the December 12th Airplay Washing Waypo Sunday by Evan Bernholz oh, that you yes. refused to do with me because you had already done it and you yes, made me.
0: Yes, true.
1: All of the above, true. Uh, so Airplay was the name of the puzzle. And I thought it had a nice theme. I don't want to say cute because I feel like that's so diminutive, but it was cute, okay? <laughs> 65 Across was the... Revealer, relaxation, exercise, instruction, and a hint to this puzzle's theme. So there were six different um, themed answers, and it'll just be easier to do an example. So 96 across, arctic bird performance, question mark, and then in parentheses, inhale. And the answer is puffin concert. Mm -hmm. And the corresponding one is 112 across, marketing firm executive JD's daughters when they were kids. Exhale? And the answer is the power girls. Mm -hmm. So the one that has inhale has puff in the answer, puff in concert. If you take puff out, it's just in concert. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that's exhale takes the breath or puff out of the answer. So the power puff girls, the power girls. And that clue made me laugh because it reminded me of how the other day we tried (laughs) to convince our friend who is Irish that in the US it's called the power. Bubble girls, oh yeah, and well, what did we call? Yeah, and that bubble's name is Puff, or it, her <laughs> name is uh, yeah, Puff in or no Bubble no,
0: we, Puff girls. And Bubble her Puff, name Puff is girls. power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we he we had him going for like maybe thirty seconds. He believed
1: us for a second. It was amazing. Not everyone in the room was
0: on board. They weren't. So. So that's a problem when there's other people r- around to witness us. Exactly. You, what you need to do, this is just a general piece of advice for anybody out there who likes, you know, instilling chaos into a room for literally no reason other than their pleasure. Um, you need to make sure that you have a secure friend base. And by that, I mean, you need to be able to say anything. And then the people that you surround yourself and call your friends need to immediately hype you up no matter what it is that you've said like literally they just need to go with the flow because that's how it works that's how the joke works Mm -hmm. i will almost always play along seriously unless it's something totally ridiculous grace has at times been like that's not going to work and she (laughs) doesn't play along sometimes
1: i know it's just not going to work you have because like you have to only do it you have to be careful when you do it because otherwise people
0: are always going to be expecting it I know. I what was it? Was I trying to do at the holiday party? Who did I say? I was. Oh, I said Kevin Bacon was my uncle, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) or something, or not Kevin Bacon, Michael (laughs) Keaton. Michael Keaton was your uncle. I feel like that's too
1: known. That would have come up before. I I know. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. You're right. But no, you're right. right. I should have gone along with it, but I just, I just knew it wasn't going to land.
0: No, but normally
1: I do. Normally, I appreciate the
0: feedback. Live feedback is always helpful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyways, obviously, we're really fun to hang out with. Other ones I liked (laughs) from that puzzle were 65 down, athlete who may be saved by the bell. was a boxer. Oh, yes. And then 70 down, takes away somebody's soul, say, question mark, but soul was capitalized. Oh, right. so the answer was toes. Yes, it was like like
0: repo or toes. Yeah, exactly. At first, because soul was capitalized, I was like, this is like a soul cycle thing. Like, I I can't. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, a Kia soul. Like, got it got it. Shout out to my mom who almost got a Kia
1: Soul, like the hamster <laughs> car, and she yeah. told me and I was like, "Whoa, why why?" She's like, "Your sister had the same response. What's wrong with that car?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know how to explain it. It's just kind of a strange car, but now I kind of feel like I don't know. It's kind of Have you cool driven a Kia Soul? Kia Soul?
0: No. I've had rental Kia, Kia Souls before. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, aside from it being one of the ugliest cars I've ever seen, it is an incredible drive. The visibility is amazing. There's That's like literally thinking, yeah. so much windows, so many windows. And it, it drives really nicely. But I think I mean from the exterior – I feel like it's just
1: different, you know? It changes everything you thought you knew about what a car should look like. It,
0: exactly. And so I kind of respect people who have them. Truly. I, I, I have massive respect for Kia Soul drivers. I, I have thought about whether or not this car is ugly for a long time because I actually genuinely like how it drives – Mm-hmm. i landed on i don't think it's a pretty car but does that matter though at the end of the day to me okay. to me to me to me myself me. and i to me anyway anyway
1: cool well my mom didn't end up getting it um honestly the only reason she would want it is because she likes the hamsters in the commercial
0: <laughs> that is it so i don't blame her i also like the hamsters in the commercial do you remember when those commercials first came out like i remember when they first landed in america and i was like this is wild. They were like. In everyone's mind. Yeah. It was a cultural reset. Truly. That is the definition it, of a cultural reset was when the solar worked, hamsters though. showed up. Mm-hmm, it worked. I know what that car looks like. Ask
1: me any other car. I have no idea.
0: I <laughs> couldn't tell you one car from another. No. <laughs> um. All right. Well, what I got here? Oh, I have like a one-off clue that I just wanted to shout out. I just loved this one from the Saturday, December 11th, USA Today by Kate Hawkins, 49 across. Baseball action that sounds like a cake. And the answer is bunt, a bunt oh, cake, yeah. and, or just bunting the ball, I guess, in baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I loved it. That's where my two, my two best topics collide, baseball and baking. It's well, a joke. you a like joke, baking, though. but you don't like baseball. It's true. I, I actually, I don't like baking. I like eating baked goods. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. Baking is difficult. The only thing I'm actually pretty good at baking are chocolate chip cookies. That's it. I watched the new season of Great British Bake Off, <gasps> which is – that is also a cultural reset for Grace. She doesn't do cooking shows yeah. usually.
1: I just – well, if I'm going to watch a reality show, I need some drama to go on. And I really was hoping that Chigs and Christelle – I thought there was something going don't, on the Don't them. spoil anything. No. Okay. Well, anyways. It was fine. It's fine.
0: Because it hasn't um, been 10 years yet, okay? <laughs> I still have time to catch up. It doesn't spoil who wins. <laughs> I know, but maybe I was hoping for Chiggs and Christelle, okay? Now I know that nothing happens. I'm sorry. I had to break the
1: news to you. But it was very <laughs> upsetting to me because I need my reality TV with some type of gossip. I know.
0: I know. Um, What else you
1: got? Okay. Something crazy happened between the Tuesday New York Times by Dow Platt um, and the Wednesday New York Times by Jesse Bullock and Ross Trudeau. What the heck? 64 down from Tuesday. Virtual Citizen in a popular video game franchise sim yep and then in the wednesday puzzle hold on hold on hold on 56 down popular game with virtual people with the sims hello back to back
0: i feel like we never see the sims at all mentioned never and it just showed up back to back coincidence i don't think so this is a cult and yes
1: chelsea and i have made ourselves in sims and we are roommates and we try to throw a party and we try to get significant others and no (sighs) one likes us so
0: they actually genuinely hated us, and our party was a big flop. Sadly, it
1: was. <laughs> well, people come in and then they're like using our computer and stuff. It's like I've never been to a party before.
0: <laughs> Take your shoes off in my goddamn house, first of all.
1: <laughs> I just I wanted to kiss one person. I know, and no one wanted to kiss me, and, and I, I was
0: trying to be so nice to everyone. You were doing a really good job. I um I started a new Sims campaign on. Computer, because Grace and I were playing on the PS4. I started on the PC Mm -hmm. and immediately killed the repairman. And now two of my Sims are in constant mourning and thinking about Adam the repairman or Alex the repairman. I kid you not. They want to go like literally. I keep getting prompts like "Go visit his grave." I'm like, no, we're not going to his grave. (laughs) Well, it was traumatic. He died in front of them. um, The first, the first day I play the damn game, I kill the repairman, and now two of my Sims are just constant mourning i'm like come on anyway if you don't play the sims you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it those who get it get it
1: (laughs) uh okay so this is one that comes up a lot 68 across opera highlight the answer was aria is this from the which puzzle uh this from the tuesday one okay but do people not know that the main one of the main protagonists from pretty the liar's name is aria and she's played by lucy hale who's like a pretty established actress now just a suggestion. You can use that. Is it spelled fluid? the same way?
0: Yes. Ah. Okay. You heard it here first.
1: You heard it here know. first. That was, just,
0: that was just my little suggestion that no one will use. Very good. I love it. Um, I did the Wednesday, December 5th USA Today by Z- Zhao Sheen Bernical. The mm-hmm. theme was... It was called Food Glorious Food, and essentially it was just a food-themed puzzle. It was amazing. Um, there were repetitive food names for answers. For example, mahi mahi, peri peri, peri shabu shabu, and couscous. Loved it. Um, mm. There was also like other like random clue. Random food answers, like barbecue was in the puzzle. And then this one, 26 down, food, that's French for saucepan. And the answer was casserole, which I didn't realize, which is just an interesting little fun tidbit. Um, but I liked seeing 31 across, blank extensions. And the answer was lash extensions. Um, just to see that in a crossword puzzle. Yes, you can get extensions for your lashes if you didn't know.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I feel like
0: most women <laughs> would know that. But maybe not. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All I know is that. Well, no, I feel like it's more popular now. I guess it depends what kind of right. circles you run in. It's um, true. Seems really tedious to get it done, though. They literally glue an eyelash onto your singular eyelash.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I actually have very long eyelashes. And when I get my brows done, they're always like, that you have lashes that people would pay for. You just you should just get them tinted. You should get them dyed. And I'm like, yeah. If it was free, are you going to do it for free? Otherwise, stop talking about it. I'll just buy the the um, the mascara. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, lash extensions end can actually look pretty good. Though. They can
1: look good. Um, I do think though, like they look good for a little bit, and then they start falling out, and then you just yeah. have like five super long. Yeah. Lashes and it looks janky, up, and then you have to keep getting it done, and it's upkeep. expensive and takes a lot of time. So,
0: but some people that matters to them, and I'm happy for them. But if it's done right, if you're doing it, if you're keeping it up, it looks really good. I have too much anxiety for things that need upkeep. Trust me, I know. I want to dye like, my hair like a random color, but first of all, it's going to cost me like four hundred dollars to do, and then I have to spend like two hundred dollars every like four to six weeks to have it touched up. <laughs> Sorry. i couldn't possibly and then also just the time spent at the salon like literally being in a physical space other than my house to get something like that done sorry there's nothing
1: worse than getting your hair dyed it takes so long and it's just like
0: okay anyways it's like moving on okay 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 uh the last thing i liked from that that puzzle was 34 down i feel like you'd like this too flips through disdainfully hate reads (laughs) similar to our hate watching of twilight um
1: is it really? Do we really hate it if we've watched it like four times in the past year? <laughs> mm, up for debate. <laughs> I'd love to hate watch things, actually. Like, if, if there's a bad movie, I will w- want to watch it.
0: Yes. So, yeah. What else you got?
1: More from the Wednesday, December 15th, New York Times by Jesse Bullock and Ross Trudeau. Um, learned this 24 Across. Like the anagram, I'll make a wise phrase for William Shakespeare. The answer was apt, but I didn't know that that was an anagram for William Shakespeare. Nice. Um, let's see. Hold on. Hold on. I'm
0: holding. I'm holding.
1: Uh, two down. High regard for one's hometown, say. Local pride, baby. Local pride.
0: I would know. You'd both
1: have. You wouldn't know? I would know. Yeah. I would know, too. Although yeah. I'm kind of overshadowed by Pitbull and his pride for Miami. So, yeah.
0: I'm from Jersey. It's like a thing. Like, I will never move, live there again, but don't talk shit about Jersey. We're going to have an issue. It's just like a thing. So.
1: I want to move there so I never have to pump gas again.
0: <laughs> Grace was shocked. She was shocked when she realized you don't pump. Jersey girls dro- don't pump her their own
1: gas. I drove through <laughs> Jersey over Thanksgiving and, like, when we got to the gas station, a man walked up to the window and it scared the shite out of me. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> um, Well, this one was- how do you feel about this nine down young love the answer was teen crush yeah i mean it's kind of cute i feel like no one says that
0: like Uh, that's not a no i know um teen crush uh i feel like are two words that make sense together but i don't know if i've ever heard that as like a phrase before i feel like like a common phrase it's
1: something that you would see like i love going to countries where english is not the first language but they have a lot of shirts with english phrases Mm -hmm. and we do the same thing like we have shirts that say bonjour or whatever it makes no sense but um i feel like teen crush is something that would be like on a shirt at a trendy like teen store in in
0: amsterdam or something yeah exactly no for sure it's it's like english words that make sense but it's not like it's not part of our lexicon you know yeah so it's like you look at it and you're like it's not wrong but it doesn't feel right (laughs)
1: Nothing feels right. Nothing feels Anyways,
0: right. That's all I got. Okay. I, I need to end on the Thursday New York Times by Trenton Charleston from December 16th today. This was so much fun. Did you do it? Mm-mm. No, oh. I hadn't done it yet. Oh, I think you would actually like this. First of all, do it. If you're going to do this puzzle, do it on the computer or in the app. It has like a little fun animation at the end. So
1: cool. essentially
0: the theme is 52 across flummox or a classic word game represented by the central grid of shaded squares in which 15, 17 and 55 across can be found. And the answer was boggle. So the center of the board was shaded like a four by four square was shaded and it looked like a boggle board. You know, if you ever played boggle, the word game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can find all of the themed answers within that four by four grid, the boggle board. Um, And the themed answers were 15 across flummox, which the answer was bewilder, 17 across flummox, the answer was bemuse, and 55 across flummox, and the answer was befuddle. And inside that boggle board, you could play boggle and make all of those words. And at the very end, once you solve the puzzle, the boggle board keeps solving and finding those words for you. And it's really cute. Oh, cool. Okay. I'll give it a spin. Um yes, and I also really liked this. I wasn't sure if this initially offended me, this clue and answer, but I decided that I liked it and I thought it was creative and I'm like, "Fuck it, I liked it." Um 3 down. Took a second? Question mark. The answer was remarried. I guess I didn't like the 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 took a second like yeah. It feels like very like ownershipy to me, but at the same time, like there's nothing gendered about this, and I just thought it was like a cute. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not cute. I just, it was creative, I thought. It was very good. Um, and then I learned something. 40 down. Surfer wannabes. And the answer was ho dads. H-O-D-A-D-S. Which apparently is a non-surfer who frequents surfing beaches and pretends to be a surfer. I didn't realize that that's what somebody, you could do that, that people do that. Why do people do that?
1: Well, because people want to be cool. I mean, mm. I didn't know that. Now
0: I know if I'm ever at the beach and someone accused me of being a hodad, Now you know. You'd probably be right. Because I don't know how to surf, <laughs> but I think the intention is that you're pretending to be a surfer. I would. Well, well, if maybe, someone is I like you're a hoedown. I'm like, trust me, I am not pretending to be a surfer. That is the last <laughs> thing on earth that I would do. <laughs> you do have a bathing suit that says "Not a Surfer" on it. I do, and I, I often I also have a hat that says "I'm Not a Surfer" that I wear to the Chicago beaches.
1: People do surf in Lake Michigan, not in Chicago. They I actually learned that do. from yeah. your topic.
0: Yes. Many moons ago.
1: It's called mm. Five Rings and Five Lakes. It's like episode four or something. <laughs> it's amazing. Some of those titles just stick in the head, don't they? They're stuck in there. Stuck. All right. Well, should we move on? I feel like we've ranted and raved for A very long so time. Long. Yeah. yeah so Sorry about we...
0: that, everyone. It's the last episode of the year. We're it loosey-goosey. Is. And our last two episodes have actually been under one hour. Usually, the episodes are like an hour and 15, hour and 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had two shorter episodes recently, so bear with us. We're My topic ourselves was kind of today. short last week. But yeah, so, so all that mine. time
1: you saved the last two episodes, you can
0: use that to listen to us go on this episode. For no reason. For feeling rambly. We're feeling good. We're feeling ourselves. And now it is time to flip the coin. Do it, baby. All right. I'm flipping the coin now. Heads that's you i was gonna get my stuff queued up but i guess i don't need wow, to. wow come down there buddy all right so my topic comes from the monday december 13th usa today puzzle by brooke and brandon 33 across unseen bambi villain and the answer is man oh i remember answering this one so we're gonna be talking about bambi today bambi i feel like um, we're slowly
1: going through the Disney
0: <laughs> stories. We are um I thought it was about time somebody did Bambi. I feel like Bambi has come up a couple times in crosswords, but mm-hmm. I actually I had like a list of like 10 potential topics for this week and I had a really hard time picking one. Interesting. Anyway, I did I had like I found mine early in the week and I knew she it was knew. the one. When you know, you know. When you know, you know. Okay. Okay, kids. Um so yeah, let's talk about Bambi. I feel like most Americans, and probably others as well, know of Bambi from the 1942 animated Disney film. Uh, it was directed by a guy named David Hand, okay? Um, but did you know that Bambi the Disney film was based off of a book? Uh, you're probably not surprised, actually, so let's just no. hop right into it. I-, I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, there's nothing surprising about that whatsoever. Um so, yeah, like I said, let's get into it. So, Bambi, the movie that we've all come to know and love and per- were perhaps traumatized by as children, mm-hmm. uh, was based off of a book called Bambi, A Life in the Woods, written by Austrian Jewish author and hunter Felix Salton. Okay. Okay. Felix Salton was born in Austria Hungary in 1869. His birth name was Sigmund Salzman, which he later changed to Felix Salton uh, because there was, as you probably realize, in the early 1900s, uh, rising anti-Semitism in Europe, especially after World War I, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an author, so he was trying to sell books, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so not only was he an author, he was a journalist and a literary critic, uh, but his most famous work is Bambi, A Life in the Woods, published in 1923. A little bit about his life. His father um, went bankrupt when he was 16 years old, and so he had to drop out of school. He started working at an insurance company, um, but that wasn't, like, what he wanted to do. At the age of 19, he began writing, Um, and submitting poems and book reviews to various publications. He published his first collection of short stories in 1900, and afterwards was, on average, publishing one book a year, either plays, short stories, novels, essays, etc. He was extremely prolific throughout his career. Um, And then Bambi, A Life in the Woods, uh, was published in 1923. I'm going to give you a very brief plot overview of the book. It differs I don't want to say greatly from the movie, but it kind of does. So Mm -hmm. just a very quick, brief plot overview of the book. So Bambi is a roe deer born in late spring. His mother teaches him about the various inhabitants of their forest and how deers live. He has encounters with other fawns and also um, stags, uh, which the book calls princes, Mm -hmm. um, and are actually – so the stags are actually the fathers of all the fawns in the book Mm -hmm. but they're called princes and it's not really directly said like those are the dads but you can kind of infer that those are the dads Mm -hmm. um uh bambi has an encounter with man called he in the book and he's left terrified in midwinter hunters enter the forest and kill many of the familiar characters including bambi's mother As he grows older, getting his antlers, there are many violent clashes between the male deers um, and lots of instances of bullying. Bambi is bullied brutally in the book. Mm -hmm. He has several run-ins with an older stag called Old Prince, who teaches him about snares and fake deer calls, uh, and later cares for Bambi, who was shot by a hunter. When Bambi has grown gray and is, quote, old, the Old Prince shows Bambi that man is not all-powerful. By showing him the dead body of a man who was shot and killed by another man. When Bambi confirms that he now understands that, quote, he. Oh, sorry. When Bambi confirms that he is now. He now understands that, quote, he is not all powerful. And that there is, quote, another over all creatures. The stag tells him that he has always loved him and calls him my son before leaving. So this old prince ends up being Bambi's dad. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the plot. It's different from the Disney movie in that it focuses mainly on the, the deer population in mm-hmm. the woods. Yeah. I um, was like, this is an adult book then? It's actually, so it was written as an adult book, but it mm-hmm. became popular as like a young adult coming of age story because the Bambi's coming of age kind of parallels the coming of age of like teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that was literally the next point. This is There is a parallel between the fawns becoming a stag and a child's becoming an adult. Unlike the Disney version, there is no chipper forest friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more death. Um, it's more of a philosophical meditation on the natural world. Uh, there's actually an entire chapter dedicated to the thoughts of two leaves that are nearing their end of time on the tree, and they're like, pontificating about death and, like, what happens after they fall off the tree. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Salton himself was a hunter. He originally wrote the book for adults, um, but because it has that kind of -of coming-of-age storyline, it ended up being more popular for children. Um, Overall, it takes a bigger picture look at the cycle of life in the forest and humanity's interactions within it. Um, It's sometimes called the first, quote, environmental or green novel. Uh, and it takes a literal opposition to hunting and a figurative opposition to fascism, which is interesting. But he was a hunter. Yes. So here's the thing: he never personally qu- spoke to what the meaning of this book was. Okay. The only thing he ever said is that the only reason that Bambi was written is because when he he was hunting and he shot a deer, and he had mm-hmm. the idea to write the book that's the only thing he ever said about this book and so all of the meaning people are putting on it are you know it's like a literary theory like the author themselves has not actually spoken to whether this interpretation or that interpretation is right but i mean if you Mm -hmm. read the book it's a very transcendental novel it's like very meditative it's about nature um and We'll talk a little bit about this in a second, but essentially, like, the German version is much more about the balance and equilibrium between man and nature, whereas Mm -hmm. the English translation takes on a more uh, conservationist bent, an anti-hunting, you know, Mm -hmm. narrative. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, so... um, yeah, so my next point here was, it wasn't Sultan's intent for it to be a conservationist narrative. He was a hunter. Uh, he probably <laughs> meant it to be a commentary on nature at large. Um, man isn't the only violent character. Forest animals are also brutal to one another throughout the book. Bambi is treated harshly by the buck that he learns later is his father. Um, and he, Bambi ends up becoming hard-hearted, just like his father. Um, though it's shown as like a natural progression rather than abusive. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um While Bambi is now considered a classic, the book didn't sell well in Germany initially. So Salton changed to an Austrian publisher, saw a small uptick in sales, but it wasn't until the book was translated into English in 1928 uh, that it became a big hit. Uh, A note on the translation, which I kind of mentioned a little bit ago. Um, First of all, if you're interested in translation, Grace did an episode on translation. Episode 14, same, same, but different. Translation is such an interesting topic. I could probably talk about it for ages. It really is. Yes, so um, Bambi was originally published in German, and then it was translated into English. Um, it was done by a man named Whitaker Chambers. Chambers was an American writer and editor. And this is just an, a little bit of an aside. I have to tell this story because it's just really interesting to me. So Chambers was born in Philadelphia. And he was raised in America, you know, between like the major cities. He was in New York City for a while, Long Island, et cetera um he was a writer and an editor he was also a member of the u.s communist party he joined in 1925 and Mm then he became a soviet spy between 1932 and 1938 he eventually defected from the soviet underground uh, in 1938 and worked for time magazine until 1950 what a life it gets weirder um he He was involved in what's often referred to as the, quote, trial of the century, which was the perjury case of Alger Hiss, um, which is, like, one of the big McCarthy-era, like, spy, like, communist spy trials, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, And so Chambers, like, testified against Alger Hiss and, you know whatever. He wrote a really... Chambers ended up writing a really famous book called Witness. I'm sure some of our older audience have read that book, or there might even be a movie about it. Yeah. Anyway. There's a movie, I think. Um, Don't quote me on that. Yeah, he was a huge figure in the 50s, in, like, the McCarthyism era, and eventually uh, he he started as a communist, and then he, like, flipped the script so much that by the time he died, Ronald Reagan was like, I love this man. (laughs) Very strange. (laughs) Very strange. Well... Anyway... Um, lived his life. He did. And before the trial, before he was even in the Communist Party... um, Oh, no, sorry. Before the trial, before becoming a spy, he translated Bambi from German to English. So, random. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I've had, like, the same job for six years. Yeah, (laughs) this guy is booping and bopping. Okay? Um, So, it's largely agreed that Chambers' translation is a huge watering down of the original text, which... All translations water down the text in some way, but apparently um, the book, the original has a lot of like transcendental themes um, and is extremely frank in its representation of the natural world and how man and nature intersect. Uh, There is a professor from the University of College of Dublin. Her name is Sabine Strumper-Crob. She criticizes the translation and says Chambers gave the book... A cultural and ideological value closely related to the American society, which is very different from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chambers' translation stresses family values and reduces the transcendental ones. She wrote an essay titled, quote, I particularly recommend to sportsmen Bambi in America, the rewriting of Felix Salton's Bambi. And this is a quote from that essay. The English translation actually tones down Salton's anthropomorphism in places and changes its focus in others, thus opening the possibility for the story to be understood less as a human story about persecution, expulsion, or assimilation, and more as an animal story conveying a strong message about protection of animals and the necessity for conservation. So we're going from transcendental themes to conservationist themes, and I think conservationism is obviously extremely important. but it's not what the original text was written for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, nevertheless, it's published in English in 1928, and it has accompanying illustrations for the first time by a guy named Kurt Wise. If you Google Kurt Wise, you probably recognize some of his illustrations. I don't recognize any of the books, but the illustrations are very familiar. Anyway, so in 1933, Salton sells the film rights to Bambi to an American director named Sidney Franklin for $1,000. Franklin initially planned to film the, like, a live-action version, uh, mm-hmm. but inevitably gave up and transferred the rights to the film to Walt Disney. Um, mm-hmm. And Walt Disney intended Bambi to be his second film. The first was Snow White, uh, which was released in 1937. But Disney found it was difficult to adapt a full-length novel into an animated movie. Moreover, it was proving difficult to correctly and realistically animate Life Like Deer. So the movie was shelved mm okay, interesting yes, um, serious work on Bambi began in nineteen thirty eight so they got the rights in like thirty five or something, and they started re- working on it in like thirty eight okay Mm-hmm. It wasn't a smooth process. there's a lot more issues with animation, there was an issue with there were strikes happening, there's an issue with money, the whole shebang, what you can expect from any movie set, right um one of the big things that they had to decide is first the book in the book the type of deer Bambi was is a roe deer mm-hmm. which we don't have in the United States so Walt Disney was like okay we're gonna use what What did you say we're gonna use uh, the California mule deer instead mm-hmm. but then okay so then we got an animator this on the Bambi team and his name is Maurice Jake Day he's the lead animator and he insisted that they use the white-tailed deer from Maine and so Walt Disney was like okay Jake like prove it like why should we use the white-tailed deer and not the California mule deer okay Uh, So Day and his friend Lester Hall go over to Maine and they, like, set up camp there. They're hiking and camping in the mountains, blah, blah, blah. they spend months shooting more than a thousand photos of what is now known as Bambi country. Um, So Disney insisted that they also take photos of other things, not just deer, such as hazelnuts, marsh, grass, oak leaves, pine cones, birch bark, low bush and high bush, blueberries, red maple and speckled alder trees. Day also shot trees covered with ice, snowy beaver dams, and uh, trees charred by fire. He photographed the details of the forest floor, the lichen, leaves, ferns, pools, rotting logs, pitcher plants, autumn leaves, a bear cub's footprint, in the mud. When Disney saw the photos of, like, Bambi country and the white-tailed deer, his mind was made. So uh, Jake Day helped arrange for two four-month-old Maine fawns to model Bambi and his sweetheart, Faleen. Uh, The Buffons took a four-day train ride from Maine to Hollywood and then spent the rest of their life in the Disney Zoo. Oh, my gosh. Well, I feel kind of bad for them. Yeah, it is kind of sad. At the time, I'm sure people were like, this is so cute. Yeah. Okay. And so the Bambi animators were given special instruction on how to properly draw a deer from an animal uh, anatomist. Also, for nine months, they studied the two fawns by sitting in a circle and sketching them as um, this fawns grew, lost their spots, and matured into adulthood. Uh, The artist apparently drew over 2 million drawings for the film, and only about 400,000 of which were used in the final film. The film is 69 minutes long. Um, and I read that when an artist heard Disney coming down the hallway to nitpick their work, they used a code words to warn each other that he was coming, saying, man is in the forest, which I thought was pretty funny, <laughs> which is a line from the actual film. Yeah. Um, and then by the time the film was completed, the budget, they spent a total of $858,000 making the film. Remember, Sidney Franklin bought the rights for $1,000 from Felix Salton. Mm-hmm. We have no idea how much Franklin sold the rights to Disney. But Salton, the author of Bambi, made zero dollars on the Bambi film. Sadly. Yeah. It's um, messed up. Yeah. There's actually like a whole... What's really interesting... I didn't go down this rabbit hole because I'm going to go down a different rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was... Bambi was really important to copyright laws... At the time, if you're interested in that, you should Google it. So <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. Um basically like Salton's family eventually was like, Hey, we want money for this if you're gonna keep using Bambi. And mm-hmm. the the Salton family actually ended up winning. And it's a complicated copyright ba- battle. And I was like, ah, uh, this is too dense for me to go through. It's not actually difficult to understand. It was just, there's a lot. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in copyright, Bambi is, you know, really important to the development of copyright law. So look it up. Um, anyway, okay. So Disney's Bambi premiered in London on August 8th in 1942, and then in New York on August 13th, 1942. The film didn't perform up to studio expectations, mostly because World War II was in full swing and also because it received some negative reception because there was a taste of anti-hunting sentiment in the film more so than the original material. And I found this really interesting uh, essay written mm-hmm. in Wildlife Society Bulletin. It was published in 2000. It was by Robert Muth and Wesley Jameson. Uh, and I'm just going to read you a couple like longer quotes from it uh, talking about how Bambi sparked... It's what's called the, the Bambi uh what's it called um oh i forget what it's called the bambi ah the bambi effect the bambi effect yes is it really (laughs) yes yes thank you um and how bambi kind of started this whole this quote it's called the bambi effect which basically spurred a conservationist attitude growing in the united states which is really interesting Mm -hmm. so Bear with me. It's from that article in Wildlife Society Bulletin from 2000. Um, Quote, Bambi gave voice to incohate and diffuse values residing in mid-century American society, characterized by a profound sense of unease and anxiety. Although not deliberately designed as such, Bambi is perhaps the most effective piece of anti-hunting propaganda ever produced. The essay goes on to say, quote, Although Bambi is the first instance of an anti-hunting message that became available to the general public through the mass media, its dramatic impact is also due to a second factor. Americans who saw Bambi in the 40s and 50s were, perhaps unconsciously, receptive to the two inescapable messages of the movie. The first message is that wild nature... Left free of man's intrusion is a garden of Eden where animals are seen as innocent playmates reposing in a state of harmony in which the lion lies down with the lamb. Or in Bambi's case, uh, where friend owl, the great horned owl, cavorts joyfully with thumper, the rabbit and flower, the skunk, instead of dispatching them for easy meal. Mm -hmm. The second message is that human beings are violent, cruel, and dangerous and corrupting. Man, as symbolized by the hunters, sets his vicious dogs on the harmless forest animals, lets a campfire get away that turns into a raging forest fire, shoots Bambi, nearly wounding him mortally, and in the most powerful moment in the film, kills Bambi's mother. The misanthropic mood of the film is captured in its foreboding response of Bambi's mother – uh to his questions what happened mother why did we all run she ominously ominously replies man was in the forest human beings are seen as responsible for the fear violence and death found in an otherwise edenic nature the public reaction to bambi demonstrated the large segments of american public were increasingly receptive to animal protection values and an anti-hunting message which is really interesting um a lot of celebrities and a lot of conservationists actually look at Bambi and say Bambi was like what woke me up. Bambi is the reason why like I went to conservationist. Bambi is why Mm -hmm. I care about animal rights. Bambi was actually like a big reason why a lot of people went vegetarian and vegan in like the Mm 60s and 70s, which I was like, and it's called the Bambi effect, which is like part of our lexicon. And now why people like, I don't know, I just thought that was extremely interesting. And like I said earlier, Salton never like said anything about what the meaning of intended for (laughs) it to necessarily be like that. Exactly. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. And it it really wasn't until the seventies, I think, that conservationist or conservationism became like a huge talking point. Um Mm -hmm. and also like something that was more studied. Um, like that's when like a lot of the big conservationists that we know, like Jane Goodall and whatever started popping up. Mm -hmm. Um but a lot of these people were influenced by Bambi which I think is extremely interesting. I remember watching Bambi the first time and seeing the mother die, and you're just like... Uh, I know, for a kid. <laughs> Hello? Traumatizing. And Dumbo, too. Oh, the D- Dumbo, I think, was actually more traumatizing for me. Yeah. That's what
1: my mom has a story of, like, hearing my sister sobbing and thinking, like, running into the
0: room, and she was just watching Dumbo. Ah, Yeah. Um... I'm going to end with just a couple more, like, interesting facts. There was, like, literally so much I could have talked about, so I just had to boil it down. Anyway, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so, like I said, Bambi wasn't, like, super popular when it first came out, but its popularity grew as time passed when it was re-released in 1987. The pre-orders for the the tape were for nearly 10 million copies. So, they didn't, like, in the, in its initial release, they didn't make back any of the money, but by, the, mm-hmm. by now, they've made back way more than their money's worth. Um... Some interesting tidbits to end on. Uh, Salton's books, including Bambi, were banned in Germany in 1936. Remember, he was a Jewish author. Mm -hmm. Um, After Germany annexed Austria in 1938, Salton and his family moved to Switzerland and lived the rest of – he lived the rest of his life there. He died in 1945 at the age of 76. While in Switzerland, Salton wrote a sequel to Bambi called Bambi's Children or Bambi's Kinder, uh, following the lives of Bambi's twin offspring, Gino and Gurry cute yes and then in that book Gino and gurry are like the main characters and bambi is like the old prince character he has like really nothing to do with his kids Mm -hmm. he's like really he's like i don't even know who they are he's a deadbeat that's that's all all stags are deadbeats (laughs) um Disney went on to produce two other Salton stories. The Shaggy Dog was based off of Salton's 1923 novel, The Hound of Florence. Uh, And then Perry uh, was from Salton's 1938 story, The Younger Days of Perry the Squirrel. Um, The Library of Congress placed Bambi on its National Film Registry in 2011. Uh, The National Film Registry selects 25 films every year to showcase the range and diversity of American film heritage. Uh, and to increase awareness for film preservation. Um, and then if you were really, really worried and stressed out about the English translation not being mm-hmm. accurate to the original German text, you have no more reason to fret. Because in February of 2022, uh, Princeton University Press is releasing a brand new translation. It's actually getting very hyped up. People are very excited about it. It is wow. going to be translated by a man named Jack zeips uh, and, uh, yeah, you can pre-order it now on the Princeton University website if you're interested. So timely. It's so soon. timely. It's
1: like a – is this
0: episode sponsored by – Sponsored by Princeton <laughs> University Press. <laughs> um, and that's Bambi for you. I wonder it, – it'd
1: be interesting to see, like, to read the two different translations and kind of see what is missed. Uh, I'd be very What's interested missed. to see that or read that, rather. And he it still kind of has th- its work cut out for him, though, because not only is he translating, it's, like, he's also translating something that was written in the 30s. Yeah. People talk differently back then, like... They they talk and they think differently Is, is he going to make it more modern, or is it going to be, like, direct? Not it's, direct translation, but, like, a... A literal. Of the same vibe. Like, yeah.
0: No, it's, it's... That's a really interesting way to think about translation. I know I brought this up before, but... When the Odyssey was translated for the first time by a woman, Mm -hmm. like, it completely changed the meaning of huge portions of the text. Yeah. Original portions that were translated by men for literally hundreds of years, extremely sexist and, like, anti-feminist, now being translated by a woman give the women more power in Mm -hmm. in their representation within the Odyssey. So, is it intentional by the translator? There's always going to be that bias that you're going to get from the translation because – you can't not have bias in something right Mm -hmm. um but it also is just like a different worldview you know approaching it from a different worldview anyway i love translation
1: (laughs) two girls in crossword book Book club Club. love it
0: (laughs) newly translated version of bambi first book of the year january is bambi no i guess we have to wait until february (laughs) we'll start it in february yes okay catch you then catch you on the flip side
1: My topic comes from the December 13th USA Today puzzle by Brandon and Brooke, edited Mm. by Eric Agard. 46 across. Work on a scarf. Knit. Or something. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I'm finally doing knitting as a topic. My girlfriend is a prolific knitter, and she has been begging me to do knitting as a topic, so I'm finally doing it. I was wondering if you would do this. Yeah. I mean... There's a lot to talk about, so I'm just picking a couple things. <clears throat>
0: okay, I'm ready. I'm excited.
1: Let's settle. And so the history of knitting, I got most of it from a blog called Sheep in Stitch, an article called The History of Knitting by Rev Blog. That was the author. <clears throat> okay, so some textile arts, like, go way back in time. You think of, like, weaving and spinning. They show up in so many myths and legends. You know, the fates... We fate, Penelope in the Odyssey, speaking mm-hmm. of, wove mm-hmm. and unwove a shroud every day and night waiting for her husband to return home. So you would think that maybe knitting would have like these, you know, anci- ancient uh, references to knitting, but not really. It's slightly more modern, still not like super modern, but okay. doesn't really show up in stuff like that. In fact, the word to knit didn't show up in the Oxford English Dictionary until the 15th century. Wow. That's so, not what I would have thought. Yeah. Same what are its origins tell me the first known knitted pieces that have survived time are from egypt around the years 1000 to 1400 ad and they are intricate socks made with white and indigo cotton so they're white socks with like a blue pattern on it Hmm. um but the fact that the pattern is so complex is like proof that that probably isn't the first knitted material. Like, people had been knitting, because that wouldn't be, like, yeah. the first thing you yeah, come up imagine. with. Yeah, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, You're lucky if you can get a scarf the first time you knit. Exactly. Uh, That's, ever. like... Yeah. You, if you can get anything in the shape of a rectangle, then you've done well. <laughs> um, but, you know, since knitting is made out of materials like cotton and fabric that disintegrates over time, it makes sense that a lot of stuff hasn't survived. Mm-hmm. But based on those fancy st- socks, historians believe that knitting probably started in Egypt... Around one thousand a d potentially a little earlier cool. so they also think that knitting evolved from another practice called null binding, so null binding uses one needle to splice and knot string together, so it's kind of more similar to sewing, but what's cool is that knitting and nullbin my null binding produce almost identical fabric, like ah. they look the same, the ribbed features um but before scholars realized the difference, they were duped by gnaw binding socks found in Syria around 400 A.D. So they actually thought knitting had started earlier.
0: Ah. Then they
1: realized it was something else. Um, the truth is knitting probably came from that. They were like, okay. oh, maybe I can use two needles instead of one. Yep. And it just kind okay. of worked from there. I so, believe that. I believe that. Yeah. So what happened next? Knitting spread from Egypt to Spain first before it spread to the rest of Europe. And that was probably during the Islamic conquest or the Crusades, like, brought it back to Spain. And then it went to the rest of Europe. But in the 1000s, European knitting was confined to the very rich, the very royal, or the very religious. So the first pieces of European knitting were found in the tomb of Prince Fernando de la Cerdo of Spain. And they are detailed silk pillow covers that date to 1275 AD. So, ah. like, royal stuff. But also a lot of early knitting in Spain was stuff for the Catholic Church. So it's like these gloves stitched with gold and silver to make them fancy. Mm. You know, all that garb
0: that the priests like to wear. Yes.
1: And then something weird happened in the middle of the 14th century. All of a sudden there were all these paintings of the Virgin Mary knitting with, you know, baby Jesus started popping up in Italy and Germany. (laughs) Random, but that shows like, okay, knitting had made it to Italy and Germany then around the 14th century. Okay she wasn't knitting at that time or there's no proof that knitting was around at that time but um like that virgin mary would be knitting Mm. even though there's a lot of paintings of her knitting Mm. um but some people think like it was an acceptable thing for her to be doing because it was seen as you know very feminine at first okay but then at the end of the 16th century Knitting became an established craft and business was booming for one thing specifically, knitted stockings for men. So, you know, like during the Renaissance, men kind of wore those capris and then the high socks.
0: Yes. I love it. You called them capris. Yeah. I mean, that's what they, <laughs> No, that's I know. I they know. Are.
1: Um, so those socks were knit and they had to be really good quality because if you had baggy socks, that was like one of the biggest fashion faux pas. Faux pas. Embarrassing.
0: Do not Disgusting. show up in baggy socks. Don't you, if you even think about coming to mass. With your baggy-ass socks drooping Mm -hmm. down by your ankles. Uh Uh-uh. We're sending you home. You're done. You're done. You're done. So in response to
1: this demand, knitting guilds sprung up in the 1400s, and they were only for male knitters, and they were extremely rigorous. So if you were a man who wanted to become a master knitter in a guild, you would have to spend six years in apprenticeships and traveling the world learning foreign techniques and patterns, and then when you returned home, you had to pass a final exam, which uh, meant you had 13 weeks to knit up a felted hat a pair of stockings or embroidered gloves a shirt or waistcoat and then the final showstopper if you will speaking of great Bridge bake-off a knitted carpet or wall hanging um, the article compares this carpet to a grand thesis to a grad thesis quote the culmination of your six years of learning a representation of your mastery artistry and good taste Damn. Um, and they're very intricate. We will post some pictures of, of our Instagram if you want to
0: follow us there. Okay. Um, to see what these men were up I'm, to. I'm really interested to see what, yes, exactly, what these men were up to. Because when I think of, like, knitted, mm-hmm. like, I know knitting can be extremely intricate. Like, obviously, like, your girlfriend is an incredible knitter. And I've seen some insane things that she has done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, I'm thinking about, like, like, a, like I got I've got a knitted hat right here. Yeah. I'm just imagining this, like, being, like artwork on a wall well like, it's like how it they work? use very thin um
1: thread and right. you yeah, know i mean it's crazy what they did it's like there's like flowers and like you know intricate things there's like an adam and eve themed one
0: i'm hooked i'm hooked i'm, I'm yeah. ready catch me um, on instagram i'll see you there
1: so knitting became like a very serious art it was taken seriously um parisian guilds were considered the best of the best so Mm -hmm. they were always you know a step ahead in fashion but i found this kind of interesting because you know today or like since then knitting has kind of evolved to be more of like a woman's craft Mm -hmm. and it's not seen as like a fine art anymore which is but it was when yeah men were doing it and it is an art i mean some of the stuff that people make with knitting is insane Mm -hmm. um we'll talk about We'll talk more about women and knitting later. Please. But first, we have to talk about 1589 when Englishman William Lee invented the knitting machine, which was a sign of the Industrial Revolution to come. In a few generations, the industrialization of knitting transformed it from a serious art um, to, like, you know, the businesses were just using machines. So hand knitting instead of being an art became a sweet, respectable parlor craft for Victorian ladies.
0: Uh, a uh a trick, if you will yeah. for ladies
1: you would think that hand knitting would die out because you know you can do it so much quicker on a machine mm-hmm. but that was not the case it persisted in the 1920s
0: nevertheless during... she persisted <laughs> sorry exactly sorry.
1: <laughs> in the 1920s during world war one there was a shortage of socks and other items for the armed forces so governments would encourage women back home to unravel old knitted items and use spare wool to make garments for soldiers Um, there's something that Alex does. She'll get like a sweater from Goodwill and then unravel it and use the yarn to like make a new sweater or (laughs) something else. But basically they were like, okay, see if you have old knitted stuff in there that you could take apart and make socks for our soldiers. Um, the popularity of hand knitting continued during the great depression because it was much cheaper to make your own clothes and you kind of had to know how to knit because like your clothes would fall apart and you couldn't just like buy new stuff. Mm-hmm. Easily, you know, so mm-hmm. you had to know how to fix all your socks and your underwear when everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> had knitted socks and underwear. <laughs> um, okay. I'm gonna talk about knitting as resistance during World War II and other war times Yes. So most of this information is from two articles, one on boardpanda.com called Here's How Knitting Was Used as a Tool to Spy on Enemies During Wartime by Naringa Utarate. And then on howstuffworks.com an article called Crafty Wartime Spies Put Codes Right Into Their Knitting by Nathan Chandler. Yes. So stegan- steganography is the act of working a code into an otherwise ordinary item. So people have done this with hair um, or like more modernly an MP3 file mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, knitting. So if you've ever looked at a knitting pattern, it kind of looks like a code. Mm-hmm. In fact, during World War II, both the United States and the UK banned the printing and posting of written knitting patterns because they thought that the repetitive abbreviations could easily be ciphered into codes. Ah. Uh, so you could even yeah. publish uh, knitting patterns. But they couldn't ban the act of knitting itself because they needed people to be knitting. Mm-hmm. So they needed the clothing. So while some women were tasked with creating clothes, others used knitting as an espionage tool. <gasps> An example of this is in Belgium in World War I. So the Belgian intelligence agents would like link up with elderly women who lived near near railway stations and they had windows that looked over the train tracks. So the women would like sit in the window and knit and look at the train tracks. And so when a um, passing, when like an artillery train passed by, they would knit a pearl stitch or they would drop a stitch, aka like leave a little hole if a troop rail car passed by and then they would relay this information to Belgian intelligence. But they looked like they were just sitting there knitting and everyone was knitting at the time. So it didn't draw any attention to it. Yeah.
0: Ooh. So
1: it was like the perfect way to spy in plain sight. Yes. Knitters would encode messages into their fabric. So one of the ways they would do this is kind of similar to Morse code because there's two different types of stitches. There's a knit stitch, which is like a horizontal line, and a purl stitch that looks like a little bump. So it was easy to do like any binary codes, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, One of the most famous examples of a knitting spy was Molly Rinker of Philadelphia. During the Revolutionary War in the United States, British troops would take over the homes of the colonials, which the colonials were not happy about, And when the Brits came to Molly's house, they wouldn't allow the men of the household into the dining area, but Molly was allowed to serve the soldiers, and she would obviously be listening to their conversations Mm -hmm. during this time. After that, she would write down the information on a small piece of paper, wrap it around a little rock, and then wrap the rock in yarn, making it look like, you know, just a ball of yarn. And then she would go outside to a rock where she would sit and knit, and she would drop the yarn ball inconspicuously um, so that like when an American soldier rode by, they would pick up the yarn ball and then learn the secrets of the British military. Ooh. But they didn't suspect a thing. Idiots. Um, during World War II, a British spy named Phyllis Latour Doyle parachuted into Normandy, casual. She was part I love of a special ops plan to take down Nazi forces that were occupying France, and she roamed the countryside pretending to be a teenager with a bag of knitting. So she was very, like, helpful and talkative with German troops, and she would get, she got, like, a bunch of information from them. And then she said she ultimately sent 135 coded messages before the Allies finally liberated the country.
0: Wow.
1: In 2009, she told the New Zealand Army News, quote, I always carried knitting because my codes were on a piece of silk. I had about 2,000 I could use. When I used a code, I would just pinprick it to indicate it had gone. I wrapped the piece of silk around a knitting needle and put it in a flat shoelace, which I used to tie my hair up.
0: Wow. So. Damn. Yeah. People were doing Shout crazy things knitting. back day. Yes. If you're ever oh, in a war,
1: don't trust any knitters, you see.
0: Don't. Don't.
1: Um, I think knitting today is experiencing a revival among, like, millennials and Gen mm-hmm. Z, along with crocheting and also mm-hmm. sewing. Yes. There's, like, a more awareness now about fast fashion and... Mm-hmm. You know, making things sustainably and also this desire to make things yourself and also do something that's you have to be, like, very present for. Yes. It's slow. It's almost, like, meditative
0: in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's also nice to, like, to have... To do something and see, like, a result from it. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I feel like with, like, living and working in a capitalist society, sometimes you feel like you're living in a vacuum or a void. Like, you wake up, you sign onto your computer, and then you sign off from your computer. Like, what do you have to actually show for what you're doing? And, you know, that's obviously an oversimplification of, like, Mm -hmm. someone's daily life. But to have, like, a hobby or, like, like a pastime where you – are sitting and physically are present with this thing and you're crafting it with your own hand at the end of it, you have a sweater pair of socks, mittens, a hat, like, yeah, it just feels like you're actually alive rather than just like a droid or like, we're like living in like a, like a simulation or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, you're making something too, that can like last,
1: you know, they can get passed down. Like I was reading a lot of um, different articles about knitting and like, you know why people get into knitting and this one person i read about uh she was just saying how yeah like older women use it as like something they can pass down Mm -hmm. like to generations that'll be around after they're gone Mm -hmm. and one story that i thought was cute was a woman who she like um during passover you wash your hands is like one of the things that you do Mm -hmm. and so she traced her grandson's hands onto a towel and then she knitted his like hand shape into the towel and he still has that towel now and he's an adult but it kind of like captured that moment in
0: time right and i know like matt's grandmother um quilted a lot Mm -hmm. we have so many like and she sewed and like we've got so many like little things that she's either quilted or like pot holders that she sewed together for us like she always made like you know little uh, covers for tissue packets you know just like things like that like you just you pass it down and like you're like i'm never gonna get rid of this and yeah it's like an heirloom
1: yeah and there's so many ways you can do it now sustainably like there's um a lot of secondhand craft stores Mm -hmm. you can like at estate sales and at thrift stores you can find like curtains and old sheets and you know Mm -hmm. as far as sewing and quilting goes but anyways yes it's very cool something to get into i'm i'm like learning more about it through alex because Mm i you know she does all these things um Speaking of, I feel like I have to uh, shout out her Instagram. Plug her, her her knitstagram, I should say. Not that she she has more followers than we do, but you can follow her on I run this knit. Check her out. She did knit, if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen we posted um crossword mittens that she knitted for me. They're
0: so, like shockingly beautiful and I was just amazed by They're very the inside has like
1: um Topics that we've talked about in the crossword, and yeah, it's very cool. We should reshare them again just to to show. Yeah, we'll do it in our carousel for this week. Although the actual crossword pattern, not a crossword, don't come for us. Don't come for us. It's okay. It's an artistic take on a crossword, but yes, I'm going to end with a quote from Sheep in the Sheep and Stitch article that did like the history. Quote: The reason I think knitting has persisted for so long is because it is beautiful, plain and simple. It's Beautiful to do and beautiful to behold. Knitting satisfies a deep desire in us to create beautiful things and it allows us the satisfaction of being a creator. Buying a sweater just won't give you the same intense pleasure and pride as knitting one with your own hands. That's why I think knitting will outlast us all. As long as we humans retain the part of ourselves that yearns to create and innovate, the part that delights in beauty, then knitting will live on from that first mysterious knitter to the four corners of the
0: world and beyond. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful that's it baby that's knitting that's it
1: i saw one of my favorite um things on this is crocheting which is kind of similar but on um tiktok a woman she croch she basically like had a key code for the temperature of the day and it corresponded to a color so like when it was really cold it would be blue and then you know get orange as the hotter mm-hmm. temperature and every day she crocheted a line on a blanket yes so by the end of the year she had a blanket that reflected the temperature of every day yes um it's just so like it's
0: amazing such an interesting thing um my do. brother's girlfriend's sister <laughs> and mom are doing that um which yeah, i think is just it's, amazing i'm getting into crocheting i crocheted my cat a tiny blanket that he loves I love that she's into crocheting because basically, I saw somebody was wearing a crocheted uh, flower ring, and that's literally all that I want from Grace. That's the only reason I talk it, to it her anymore. It takes so long to get good at it, though. But I that's know. that's like my problem: is that I don't have the
1: patience. But I know, I know that if I stuck to it, I could get good at it. I know. But anyways, that's, I know that's another issue.
0: Let us know if you have uh, <laughs> if you have issues if you craft. Then let us know too. Yes. We love crafting. We're not very good at it, but we try different craft all the time. We're always like, let's try this craft. We fuck it up. We're like, let's do something else. We did uh, I made
1: an orange garland. Chelsea's didn't work. She put it in a bag and it got moldy. Mine worked. That was like our
0: only successful craft, I think. What we've was ever the done. other craft that we did that was really successful?
1: The bats kind of worked. The bats worked. But that that honestly should garland. have worked.
0: Yeah. Like we, if that didn't we
1: did something Yeah. We did else something did we else we-
0: with the garland. What did we do that day? Oh, we, um, so for our work
1: holiday party, we wore matching. Well, we already talked about this. Yeah, we put iron-on stuff on matching yes. with sweatsuits. Anyway, um, yeah, so if you craft, let us know. Um, you can
0: talk to us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls, where we will be sharing a lot of knitting uh, photos this week. Uh, so tune in. I'm very interested to see what Grace is going to share. I bet you
1: are. I am. Um, you can also follow us on TikTok at the good eve girls. And
0: we will see you next year oh in 2022. God. In Everyone, 2022. Keep curious. Yes. Always keep asking questions. We love what where your head is at. Um, and we hope that in the new year, we will continue to provide you with more information that just keeps you more curiouser and curiouser. So... <laughs> Many questions, not many answers. That's it. That's our motto. That is our motto. If you're not left confused at the end of every episode, then have we done our job? Mm, I don't know. No. <laughs> all right. Well. That's it. And that's all for 2021, folks. Uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next year. Bye-bye.